Hello and welcome back to the Quacked Out Podcast. It's been a little bit. I'm Charlie, your Reed, and how are you doing, man? It sounds like it's raining there a little bit. Maybe that's just static. Yeah, it has been usual afternoon thunderstorms here. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I'm now a college graduate. Uh, that's nice. nice. And you're sounds like you're about to be a college graduate if if the grades come in good and everything. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed on a couple of them, but no, I, I should be fine. <laughs> uh, ceremony's Monday, so just enjoying this lovely Eugene mugginess. It feels like New Orleans down here, man. It's humid, it's wet, it's kind of gross, but uh, I kind of <laughs> like it, you know? I feel like I'm a bug or yeah. something in a jungle. But, uh, and we have NCAA track and field championships here, which I got to go to on right. Thursday, caught, caught some of those events, really cool events. Uh, I had never been to, now that I think of it, I hadn't been to an NCAA, like an event that was just the NCAA putting it on in, in kind of forever. I, I don't think I've ever been to one, um, but it's really cool to see like people from literally all over the country and all these different schools like gathering in one place um and in one stadium and like i was i was chatting with a guy from syracuse yesterday it's just cool to to have this kind of mixing going around uh from literally all over the country and all these different schools that like i know about but i mean i'd never talked to like a syracuse fan before you know um or like Texas Tech or anybody like that. So it's it's cool to, to see all, have all that stuff going on in Eugene. Um, yeah. But anyways, speaking of other schools, we are going to be talking about a lot of other schools today. We're doing our Pac-12 win totals uh, because it's June and there's really nothing else going on. <laughs> Some people wouldn't even consider this something is going on. But um, <laughs> you, however, uh, were on no truck stops yesterday. I haven't had a chance to listen. How did that go? Yeah, it went well. Uh, I did about 30 minutes at the back half of that podcast uh, to come on and try to kind of combat some of the notions they've been pushing about Oregon for a while. Oh, I like think what? I did <laughs> just, oh, Carlos's theory, theory about the staff, of course, I mean, oh, was yes. the start of it. <laughs> just saying that it's all recruiters. And he based that off like, oh, my God, that was annoying. Um <laughs> He, he knew, you know, he knew Demetrius Martin and Adrian Clem from UCLA. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of the narratives I just had to push back on. And, and he kind of generalized that to the whole whole staff, which I think is unfair. Um, because they have such a great recruiting, you know, reputation. Mm-hmm. But I think, I don't think that that necessarily says that they're bad coaches. And in a lot of cases, they have good coaching track records. So try to do that and then just talk a bit about Oregon season expectations um that sort of stuff and and some of what happened last season with Oregon which you know despite struggling I kind of push like hey a lot of these games were submitted lower conferences even when they looked bad Oregon had you know great post game win probability mm-hmm. and controlled the games even if they were ugly they weren't necessarily in jeopardy you know and and i think with some improvement this year those Oregon should expect to win a lot of those games which we'll get into on this podcast right Mm -hmm, definitely uh before we dive into it though uh, a couple more 
tidbits. There's another new Oregon podcast, so shout out to QB11 and his show with Doug. Um, they're doing a great job. As we've been plugging what QB11 says for a long time. Like, I think he's top two most knowledgeable, like, non-person uh, in the building, if that makes sense, regarding the Oregon program. Uh, like, nobody knows more than him and Hithleday, and they have an episode coming out soon, so I'm really excited to hear that. Um, anything else on that? Always check Scoop Duck for your recruiting stuff, I guess. Uh, <laughs> do we even need to say Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing going on in June and we'll, we'll see that continue to go. The continued search for a quarterback is being covered uh, well there and things, you know, I'm sure people who are following it to be going well. Uh, so that's where to do that. Yeah. On the QB 11 thing, it's been really good uh, to listen to for me as well. Obviously we've loved his rewatches and stuff uh, and X's and O stuff, but he and Doug as well as co-hosts know a ton about, kind of like the national picture of college football, some conference realignment stuff they did uh, and covered it from an Oregon perspective that I think it, you know, oftentimes I think those conversations nationally with the guys who do know a lot are so focused on SEC and a little big 10 and they kind of are able to say, well, what does that mean for Oregon and USC and some of the West coast teams? Uh, and so I learned a lot from that certainly and, and would recommend it to, to Ducks fans listening to this. Yep. Um, again, yeah, lots of similar content. We're not like, I, we're both very glad to have, uh, both these guys in the Oregon sphere because I think they're often, um, Hubie especially is often a, how do, how do you put it? Voice of reason among Duck fans. Which <laughs> any Duck fan knows there are some wild takes out there. And it's nice to have somebody who's tempered most of the time um, talking about it. So welcome to the, the podcasting sphere, QB. Um, all right, man, you want to dive into this? We got team by team. I think we're going to go bottom to top with our Pac-12 win totals. Just kind of set expectations for each of these programs going into the year. Um, anything else before we get going? No, let's do it. Sweet. All right, coming in. At the bottom, we have Arizona, the league's worst team from last season. Uh, And I also have our picks from last year as to how these teams did. So going into the season, Arizona wasn't expected to do a whole lot last year. This is the second year in a row they have the lowest projected win total. Um, It is also the second year in a row that that win total is two and a half. And they went one and 11. (laughs) And it it was a courteous one shall we say, against a COVID-depleted Cal team. I took the under last year on Arizona. I was not hyped on them. You took the over, although you weren't super confident about it. Um, So how are you feeling this year about the Wildcats? You know, I think it was a tough loss last year, but I'm kind of doubling down. I think in some ways, in spirit, I think they felt like an over team. You know, the results weren't maybe there. But some things look better than they were supposed to, and the recruiting's been good. The vibes seem good uh, in Tucson, to put on my, my Avery cap from No Truck Stops <laughs> for a second. Um, and I think looking at the schedule, you know, I see why the win total is two and a half, because when you go one and 11 and you're one wing 
has a huge asterisk by it. It's kind of hard to put anything for sure in the win column this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that there's a lot of competitive games on here, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I think the early line for they open at San Diego State, I think the early line for that is uh, five point underdogs for Arizona. Um, so, you know, you could get that game. The North Dakota State game, I would guess, would probably be close. The Cal game, the Washington game. Uh, you know, a lot of close games there. I think that I see, you know, I think you probably get a win versus Colorado if you're Arizona. You probably get a win versus North Dakota State. Uh, probably versus Arizona State, too. I think I would put all of those as likely wins. And I think they could squeeze out another one, you know, versus Washington or Cal or maybe San Diego State. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm leaning towards over and pretty confidently um, or comfortably, at least, I think, you know, I could easily see four wins or maybe, maybe five wins. And so when the number is two and a half and I see that, I'm on the overside. What about you? I, I want Arizona to do well. I agree. I think they've improved <laughs> a lot. I mean, I listened to Hithliday's, uh I think it was Hithliday doing a, he does roster reviews on the Quack 12 mm-hmm. podcast for like every single Pac-12 team, which is a whole host of information that I could never budget time for. Um, but it like to do the research, I love listening to the pods. want to be clear there. Um, the Arizona's roster is expected to be improved, but I just don't know, man. Again, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule. Like I don't feel confident about, about them going into San Diego state. I think that's a, I mean, they're already not favored. I think that's going to be a loss. Uh, North Dakota mm-hmm. State is just the last FCS team you ever want to play if you're an FBS school. I remember the Ducks had them on the schedule in 2020, and I was not hyped for that. Um, obviously, didn't end up playing that game. But still, it's just a game you, you don't want to schedule. There's no good that can come from that. Because if you win, you beat an FCS team. If you lose, like you lose to an FCS team. Uh, and it's actually a hard game to play as well because they're a good team. But, oh... Like, Colorado at home should be a win. Uh, Wazoo in the desert is, like, tough, although they won in ASU last year. I don't know, man. I uh, I think two is where I'm at. I think I'm going to take the under, unfortunately. I, would, I wouldn't be mad if, you know, obviously, again, I'm rooting for them. I want Arizona to be good because um, I, I like Jed Fish, and I think Arizona is, like, one of the lit – one of the least hateable teams in the Pac-12 from our standpoint. Um, maybe we should power rank those sometime. But I think that, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think they're at about two this year. I mean, this team was god-awful last season. Uh, yeah, I'm going under. All right, yeah, Colorado. That's fair. Re- rehash of our old battle. Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got to get conflict in here, and it's nice we got it in early. Um all right, Colorado, 4-8 and eight last season, although even looking at that sounds wrong because how the hell did this team win four <laughs> games, man? Um, seriously, like, I, I, I don't remember any of these wins, honestly. Or I remember the Arizona one because that was like a, the sickos game of the century in week seven. But, <laughs> so their win total was 4.5 last year. You took the over on that, bless your heart. I took the under, and I even said this number should be at three and a half, and 
lo and behold, they, they won four games. So uh, this year, again, it's three and a half. So they bumped him down from a win. Carl Durrell is still the head coach. And I really have a hard time picking this over as well. Uh, they play TCU, Air Force, and Minnesota as their out-of-conference, which, to be honest, I think that's 0-3 right there. Um, do you, are you finding any hope for this team? Three and a half seems high to me. No. I, I think I'm taking the under. Uh, I'm Yeah, I think you could argue that the Colorado and Arizona win totals should be flipped. You know, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I've heard other people say that too, and I subscribe to that. Like, <laughs> where are the wins really uh, for Colorado? I don't know if I see many of them, especially being kind of high on Arizona. Not, you know, ridiculously high, but thinking Arizona could be a touchdown favorite in that game. Uh, where mm-hmm. else is it? You know, Air Force, maybe. Uh, Cal, yeah, can't say know, I know anything Arizona about State. Air Force right now. But yeah. <laughs> I can't say I know anything um, good about Colorado. So, Yeah, Cal and, and Arizona State at home are the other places. But, I mean, like, you could talk me into getting to three maybe, but getting to four seems really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, I think the win total, even if it was two and a half, I might go under. Uh, so I'm, I'm a pretty firm under for Colorado. <laughs> All right. Some nice agreements for us. Uh, on, on, also, I'll, I will say on the least, I mean, I'm not really rooting for Colorado necessarily, like, <laughs> because when teams don't help themselves, I don't, you know, really root for them. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of least hateable Pac-12 teams, I think Colorado might might be at the top of the list for me. That's my number one, for sure. Uh, I mean, Boulder, I talk about this all the time. Boulder and Eugene are very similar college towns. Um, a lot of crossover between, like, people I know who... There's a lot of similar people that go to both schools. Um, obviously, with some differences in geography, for sure. But uh, in general, yeah, man, I, I like Colorado. I don't really have any beef with them. I out of the two newer Pac-12 teams, which I think are in general easier to not hate, just because we don't have the same history against both of them. I mean, they're certainly more likable than Utah, given last year um, as a right. Red fans, So, I mean, what Colorado, what is what are their history against Oregon, really? If you look at, in the Pac-12 era, they, they got Oregon in the 2016 season, probably, I'm thinking. I don't remember. Yeah, they what did other when we wore those uh, yeah. we wore the puddles jerseys. Yeah. 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 But other than that, I think Oregon probably has maybe only lost one other in the Pac-12 era and I can't necessarily come up with which one that was and then of course there's the Fiesta Bowl 2002, mm-hmm. you know, was a coming out party for Oregon. So, no no real reason for hatred. Uh yeah. of the buffs from a rivalry perspective. It's also helped that they've been bad for pretty much the whole time. And it's really, it's yeah. really easy to like bad teams. Doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah. And like the, in the mirror image of Utah, like it's, it's easy to hate Utah cause they're good, but it's easy to like Colorado cause they're bad. Okay. But both under, sorry, buffs. I, I'm really just seeing no reason to get excited about that program right now. Um, all right, next up is maybe the most polarizing team uh, overall in like the in, if we consider the entirety of Pac-12 history, 
as the Pac-12 conference, like Stanford has been at the top and bottom and everywhere in between. Um, their projected win total is four and a half. Out-of-conference games are Colgate, BYU, and on the road at Notre Dame. Still got Tanner McKee. Still will might find, find a way to beat Oregon like they do every year. But how are you feeling about Stanford this year? Four and a half is an odd number to me. I, I can't really wrap my mind around it yet. Talk me in or out of it. Yeah. Well, I think I have, you know, I always gravitate towards Stanford being competent because that's what David Shaw has done a lot of. And mm-hmm. on top of that, they have a good quarterback. So, you know, you kind of think maybe they're going to be good, but I don't know if there's that much evidence for that once you dig into it, once you dig into their results last season. And on top of that, they have Notre Dame and BYU in the non-conference, right? So you get a free win versus Colgate to open the season, but from there it's a lot of difficult games. Um, Mm -hmm. And they draw USC and Utah from the south. They avoid uh, Colorado and Arizona, I think. (laughs) So, I mean, the schedule draw is pretty bad. Yeah, I think it's tough. I I think I'm going to lean under here. Uh, I could see them squeaking it out just because I think Stanford's weird, right? You know, Mm -hmm. but even if you say you give them Colgate, you know, you give them the Arizona State game, you give them the Cal game, and and those are toss-ups probably, you know, pretty close. I still think they have to get weird against, you know, Washington's going to be a close game, but I think they have to pull off a weird upset against a UCLA or Washington State, I think is going to be better than them. You know, we'll get into some of these other ones, but I lean under because Stanford's weird. You know, I mean, they got Oregon last year, obviously. Yeah. Nothing's going to shock me completely, but um, I'd lean under in part because of the non-conference, obviously. I'm really going back and forth on this. Uh, The slight under is kind of what I was leaning towards at the beginning, but right now I have Stanford's school history page on on sports reference pulled up. And I'm looking at David Shaw's tenure. So he started in 2011, right? Right. Here Mm -hmm. are his win totals every season. And obviously this this isn't just regular season. It it includes bowl games. Um, Or you know what? Let me just do the regular season ones. How about that? 2011, his first season, he goes 11 and one, in, in his first season. Uh, next year, <laughs> next year, um, 11 and two wins the Rose Bowl, not bad. Uh, next year, uh, another 11 and two, loses the Rose Bowl, not terrible. So those are his first three seasons. Um, let's see. Then we got a seven and five, a 13. Sorry, 13. 11 and two. Nine and three, like, and he hasn't, you know, another two more nine win seasons, or like a nine and an eight, and since then, really, twenty nineteen has been the drop off. Um, so from twenty eleven to twenty eighteen, they won at least eight games every season. That that's the consistency that made him the highest paid coach in the Pac twelve, which he still is. But I'm. I don't know, man. I have a feeling Stanford's going to bounce back just because they're always somewhat competent um, at some point during the season. Like you said, they're going to snap up and beat somebody. Really hope it's not Oregon. That would really suck. Um, I'm going to go over. 
So I'm, I'm going to lean slight over for Stanford. Even with that brutal yeah, I don't, I don't hate play. that. Uh, it, you, you can't use reason when you're picking Stanford. Um, <laughs> because the, seriously, I think they that's don't the adhere. Crux of it. Yeah. yeah, they don't adhere to reason whatsoever in their results. So, all right, let's go to the Palouse. We have Wazoo sitting at five and a half. Now, there's a cluster of teams that are sitting around this range um, Wazoo, Oregon State, Cal, and Arizona State are all right at five and a half um, per these numbers that we're using, uh, their fan duel numbers. Um, so Wazoo, their out-of-conference is Idaho and Colorado State at home, and then they have that Wisconsin game on the road, which you have to think is supposed to be a loss. But I I don't know. I've been thinking about this game recently just to myself, and I, I really like the Cougars' odds in this game. Um, I don't know if you've seen a line for it anywhere. Maybe maybe you have it in the sheet and I just I can't see it. But I don't have it. Let me look, though. Because um, Wazoo's... Wow. You want to guess what it is on FanDuel? Uh, Wisconsin by 10. By 14. Wow. Dude, I'm taking the Cougars all day on that. Um, yeah, I, I would as well with 14. Yeah, Cam Ward is supposed to be a pretty good quarterback. I know you wanted to talk about quarterbacks a little later, but he will surprise people who aren't paying attention to what's going on already. Basically, they're taking like the offense from Incarnate Word, uh, an FCS school, D2, I don't remember. Uh, maybe they're D2. Um, and just kind of inserting them all into uh, the existing thing. Western Kentucky did this last year. And Bradley Zappi put up, like, insane numbers doing it. Uh, and, I mean, that's that's the Wazoo model at this point, right? I think Kalen, or, <laughs> Kalen DeBoer. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Why can't I remember their head coach's name? Help Jake Dickert. Jake Dickert, thank you. I, I think he's a good coach. I think he earned that interim job. Or I, he earned the real job after being the interim well-deservedly. So... Let me let me look at these this schedule again. So on the road they have USC, Oregon State, Stanford, and Arizona. Those are two really tough places to play, and two really not tough places to play if we're being honest. Um, yeah, I think I think over. I think they make a bowl game. Yeah, I'll say I'm pretty high on on Washington State. Um, I mean, I, I just think this is probably the second best team in the North. And I know divisions obviously are not as valuable in this year. And probably, you know, this is a big reason why I think that I might have in the old model said they had an outside shot at the conference title. And because of this, I think, you know, if Oregon implodes, they now still have to get by USC or Utah to get into a conference title game. So I don't think that they're going to go that far. But I think that the schedule sets up really well for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, early on, you, like you said, you know, Idaho and Colorado State sandwiched that Wisconsin game. And, yeah, it's going to be a difficult one, but I think they have a shot at it. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen, you know, Wisconsin's always seems like a weird team. Uh, and especially offensively, sometimes they just shoot themselves in the foot. They did a yeah. lot of that last year as we covered. Um yeah, they were hard to watch so, on offense, straight up. Yeah, and then just, you know, I think there are a lot of these games that people would pencil in as 50-50 games that I just like 
the vibes going on in Washington State and their offense more than I like, you know, the, the kind of meh going on in a lot of the other middling Pac-12 schools. So when you talk about you know, Cal- California coming for a home game, the Arizona State game and the disaster going on there, they have to travel to Arizona, they have Washington at home. Like, I put those all as likely wins. Even the Stanford game, I think I favor Washington in going to Stanford because Stanford, does, you know, there isn't really much at home there. Yeah, that's a game that easily could get weird. But, you know, there's a lot of games I favor Washington State in. And then, honestly, we'll get into it with the Oregon game uh, and, and kind of going through Oregon's schedule. But that game is one I have highlighted as upset alert. Uh, for Oregon, for sure, because it's right after the BYU game. Mm-hmm. It's the first road game of conference play. Really the first technically true road game, although I think that Atlanta is going to be a fair amount more hostile <laughs> than Pullman will be. Uh, but Pullman's not an easy place to play, obviously. Uh, it's probably better to be playing there early in the year, honestly, before it gets cold. But first-year staff traveling on the road's the biggest challenge in that Washington state game is Oregon's hardest road game. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, and it's early in the year, you know, I think that's a place that Washington state, like a lot of these harder games for them, I could see them getting one of Oregon at home, Utah at home, uh, or Wisconsin on the road, you know, mm-hmm. they could get one of those three or even throw the USC game. If they get any of those four that I think some people would, you know, put in pen as losses. And I'm just hesitant to do that with them. I could easily see them getting one of that group uh, and winning the majority of the rest of them. So I'm over. Yeah, I I like that pick. What? I think through this these few pandemic years, we've kind of forgotten that Oregon – had a legitimate Washington state problem and that we lost to them four straight years in a row from 2015 to 2018. And in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. I think that's uh, demonstrative demonstrative, however you say that word. Um, <laughs> like a lot of times <clears throat> I've heard people talk about wake forest doing this in the ACC. It's like wake forest is a benchmark. If you can beat wake forest, like you might be good. If you lose to wake forest, you're not good like that's that's usually the simple math every year obviously they were really good last year so it, it's not as good of a barometer but in general i think that's what wazoo is for the pac-12 like they're pretty consistently decent uh in these last in this last decade or so like if you can beat wazoo you're probably going to be okay like if you lose to them shoot, maybe they're actually, like, good this year, you know? Maybe, maybe your team is not <laughs> up for the challenge. Um, but even, I mean, shoot, even in 2019, that Rose Bowl team barely beat Wazoo to their last-second field goal. Um, we beat them in the COVID year, and then last year's game, like, was one of those comfortable wins that still felt uncomfortable. Yeah, and the COVID game felt really uncomfortable for a while, too. Yeah, yeah. It was just, it's always un uncomfortable it's always uncomfortable playing wazoo so i'm i'm still taking over like i'm high on them i'm high on dickert but i'm a little i'm nervous for that road game like you said it's going to be oregon's hardest road game outside of georgia um 
So that, that doesn't make me feel too great. But I'm curious to see how they stack up against these other three teams. Um, although, by the way, we, we forgot to do last year's thing. I've already <laughs> forgotten that bit. We both took the under on Wazoo making a bowl game. They were a solid six projected wins. And we both took the under on that. And, uh, I mean, they lost their bowl game, so they went 7-5. and five. In the regular season, lost to Central Michigan in a bowl game, which, come on, guys. Uh, but they proved <laughs> us wrong last year, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. I'll take the over. All right, Oregon State, 5.5. Um, last year, the Beavers were projected to be, like, one of the worst teams in the country for some people. Um, making a bowl game was like huge for them. And I remember saying that at this time last year, we both took the under on their four and a half last year. Uh, are you taking the over on them this year? You're going to fl- change your mind. I, I think I am. Yeah. I think, you know, I just like the way things are trending for them. I think they know who they are. Obviously they did a lot of good work at home and had a bad road split last year. And I think you could see something similar this year. Um, you know, a lot of those home games, you get Cal, Colorado, Montana State. They have Boise State at home is going to be a big one. Mm-hmm. Like Week those, one, right? If you can, yeah, if you can roll through some of those wins, like that's huge, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just adding, just starting it off at the baseline winning the Cal, Colorado, and obviously Montana State games. You get to three and you just need three more. I think that they're going to be a competitive team, right? You know, I think that they have USC at home. I I highlight that as a game that maybe USC could get tricked up on. I know Mm -hmm. people are super high on them, but I just wonder if it's going to be as plug and play with their, their new scheme and all this new personnel as other people think it will be. And I think that Oregon State is that kind of team uh, who knows their identity and at home could pose some problems. That would be kind of a fun throwback to a lot of the old Pac-10 upsets that Oregon yep. State pulled over USC and Corvallis. Um, so, yep. yeah, and the Boise State game, I think the line on that is minus four for Oregon State, so they're a slight favorite there. Uh, and similar to Wazoo, like I, I just like them over some of those middle teams. I like them over Stanford and Cal and I think they could go and beat Washington. Um, I think they could beat Arizona State on the road. You know, so I think that there's probably six or seven wins in there. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, you know, leaping them into conference title contention like I think some people might want to do. Mm-hmm. I think that Oregon still clears them, and I'm not horribly afraid of that trip to Corvallis to end the season, even though I think it could be competitive. Uh, the Civil War, or formerly Civil War, last year was the only game I got to see in person. And it was apparent to me that, you know, even in a struggling year for Oregon, right after getting crushed by Utah on the road, like, Oregon kind of came in and just leaned on Oregon State and kind of showed, I felt like, that, yeah, they're better. There's a reason mm-hmm. why Oregon State, Oregon should be a touchdown to two touchdown favorite in this you know, just based on the rosters. Uh, And even though I think Oregon State has some things, you know, they're putting together from a talent perspective, obviously it's not there to to compete with the top of it. But again, the win Mm -hmm. total is five and a half, right? It's not seven and a half or eight and a half. 
Yeah. So that's not the expectation. So I'm going to go over. What about you? I'm also going over. I'm not as bullish as you. Um, but I, I just think this is a, I think it's a bowl team for sure. Um, with all the inconsistency at quarterback last season and they still made a bowl game, like that's impressive. Uh, you know, going undefeated at home is always something to be proud of. I don't care how few wins you actually had. Um, and so is beating the crap out of USC in the Coliseum. I think a lot of people forget about that just because they were so, I mean, wasn't that the game Clay Helton got fired from or no, that was Stanford. Sorry. Uh, so maybe it was the game but, after, but it still says something that you were able to do that. Um, and again, I think it's, similar to wazoo like they're just becoming a model of consistency um or maybe becoming what wazoo already is in in terms of wins but again like you mentioned the schedule they didn't lose at home last year fresno state utah and washington on the road will be their three hardest road games i don't expect them to beat utah but i could see them beating either fresno or washington i'm i'm going over i like it um, all right, man, Cal, the third five and a half team that we have here. Uh, I personally, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. And I think that Washington state, Oregon state, both hit that over Arizona state and Cal both hit that under for me on the five and a halfs. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it exactly. Referring to Cal, obviously they're the only team that lost to Arizona last year with a depleted team, so it happens. Um, if they had won that game, which was still very close, they would have hit their projected six win total, uh, which is also exactly what I guessed them to um, hit. Although you're under hit on Cal, and that was the only one of us that got any picks right for any Pac-12 North team other than Oregon last year. <laughs> we pulled that on the over. Um, I think in a lot of ways that division went upside down in terms of what we thought and what other people thought. So how are we feeling about the Golden Bears this year? Yeah, I'm not feeling great. Uh, <laughs> I'm feeling great. I think, I mean, they have UC Davis, UNLV to start. Those are two wins, right? Mm -hmm. So I, the non-conference college football is so weird in terms of win totals because it's such a small sample size of games and getting, you know, either getting those two or three free wins in non-conference or not, you know, changes these numbers a lot. The five and a half, uh, you know, this group of everyone having a five and a half win total is a bit deceiving and that it doesn't necessarily indicate that they're all even level teams. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, on Cal, I just think where else do I really see these wins? Like I think, you know, Colorado, I have a love, very low opinion of going <laughs> this year. They've Cal's historically given Washington problems in recent years. I could definitely see that happening. You know, Arizona, who knows? Stanford, who knows? But do I see Cal upsetting any of the top, you know, or even upper half of this conference? UCLA, Oregon State, USC, Oregon, or Washington State? I don't really think I, I yeah. even view them as a team that has that sort of upset in them. Part of that is the quarter is the quarterback situation. Like a lot of these other teams, I feel like, you know, like Stanford, I think, could Tanner McKee have a game, you know, with their big receivers where 
something happens like happened to Oregon last year. Like I've seen that before. I don't really see that out of Cal. Mm-hmm. They have a quarterback transfer coming in from Purdue, who I think is still slotted to be the starter, Jack Plummer. Um, but it, still you know, might be a bottom half quarterback situation. In, in yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we'll go through a little later what this list of quarterbacks looks like, but it's really not as bad as it was a year ago. That was a big storyline I remember us outlining on our preview last year was this conference has no quarterbacks, it feels like. (laughs) And now, you know, I think with the establishment of Cam rising, obviously, with Dorian Thompson-Robinson rising to like a pretty good quarterback finally realizing a lot of his potential and obviously Caleb Williams comes in as like a top three quarterback in the country uh, to kind of give a headliner to that list and you still have Cam Ward and Tanner McKee and Jane Delora at Arizona now you know is a thing and Bo Nix at Oregon is a huge upgrade from Anthony Brown obviously mm-hmm. uh, at least that's how I feel you know and I feel like that's a sentiment amongst most Oregon fans um there's more there's you know a lot of good uh or at least decent to good quarterbacks in this league I don't think Cal has one of them necessarily and they don't have a roster around him that's particularly special either so yeah I'm I'm definitely under on Cal at five and a half yeah same so now how do you feel about ASU a team in a very different place than than Cal is as a program um, I mean, we've been hearing forever now. It feels like, what, didn't this come out a year ago? The whole yeah. uh, dossier dropped on the Yahoo Sports Desk um, thing. Arizona State is going to have to deal with those repercussions at some point. Unless the NCAA just completely dissolves before anything gets resolved, which I wouldn't put it past them. But uh, five and a half for ASU this year. Last year, let me pull it up, they were at nine as their projected win total, was, which was tied for the most in the conference alongside Oregon and Washington. What a weird year it was last season. It's a nice little reminder how crazy college football Oh, my God. Um, in case you what forgot. What a sport. <laughs> yeah, what, what a sport, exactly. <laughs> the volatility from year to year in terms of win totals. And yet oh they God. had a chance to hit that win total. Um, down the stretch of their season, but lost that loss to Oregon State really bit them in the ass uh, in Week 12, and then obviously losing the bowl game to Wisconsin by one point. It was like the least close one point game I think I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> like, wasn't didn't Wisconsin control the ball for the last like 10 minutes of that game or something like that? <laughs> something outrageous. Um, that sounds like a Wisconsin game. I think that's exactly what happened, to be honest. We both hit the under on that. We were both confident that that the under was going to hit. So, I mean, this is a team that still went six and three in conference last year. Um, a lot of the advanced numbers still love what ASU did. Like, I remember pulling up all those EPA charts and stuff like that, and they were always near the top. Their problem was they just would self-inflict. The the penalties were absolutely awful, and like. Yeah, sure, every team deals with penalties and every team wants to minimize their penalties more. But when it's affecting your team as negatively as it was Arizona State, like it is a legitimate problem. It's not just a higher rate of penalties. It was like the worst in the country or near that. Um, so how are you feeling this year? 
do the Sun Devils make a bowl game? Yeah, honestly, I think last year I was more confident in the under than I should have been maybe because through a half in Salt Lake City, they looked like they might be the best team in the conference. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it really looked like it was heading that direction. And then Utah has this big comeback and kind of turns their season around from there and, you know, rises into being a bona fide top 10 team for the rest of the year. But um, and then ASU goes on to they, lose to, to Wazoo after a bye week at home. Right. Bad loss. Yeah. Uh, and things kind of hinged on that point. And, you know, but there was a moment where it looked like, oh, there really was a reason why Arizona State had that preseason win total. This year, I mean, a lot has fallen apart, right? Uh, <laughs> losing Jane Delora certainly hurts and a lot of pieces around him. Uh that would have been around him, I guess. You know, I Jaden Daniels. I just don't really, yeah, Jaden. Yeah, sorry, Too many Jane Jaden Daniels. Yeah, yeah, um, Jane Daniels, of course. Yeah, like I think thing. that uh, you know, it's just gonna. I think that the wheels could fall off of this thing quick. You know, opening with Utah and USC in conference play, probably not the best combination for a team that's going to be struggling <laughs> with buy-in already. Uh, and I think the Washington game at home in week six sets up to be kind of like a do or die game. You know, mm-hmm. if you get blasted by Utah and USC and then lose to Washington and then it's a bye week, like who is sticking together, you know, in that locker room and like with the portal and everything, at what point are people saying, like, if I didn't think that the ship was going down already, let me, you know, get my life raft and see where else I could go play. Yeah, uh, and get a head start on the portal. Like, although you you may get just, ousted for it by your former teammates on social media. Just right. so you know. Yeah, clearly a great a locker room dynamic there. I don't know. You know, I mean, it's not of a it's not the team's fault, right? It's been run into the ground, kind of by head coaching and institutional incompetence along with the NCAA just kind of dangling this thing over their head. Um, I just don't think I see six wins or, or a bowl game in Arizona State's future this season. Yeah, I mean, they got Northern Arizona and Eastern Michigan on the schedule. You would assume those are two home wins. like that. <laughs> if they lose either of those games, then, I mean... We're talking about them in an Arizona context, not not an Arizona State context. Um, Oklahoma State, that's going to be a loss. That's going to be a blowout. I'm sorry. That's a road game. Um, and those three out of conference, like, you go you go pretty solidly 2-1 and one there. Yeah, it's pretty cut and dry 2-1. and one. I mean, the only thing that somewhat curbs me or might curb me is their conference schedule. Like, their road games aren't terrible outside of like wazoo and usc i mean they have colorado stanford and arizona all on the road like those are all winnable for a decent team but like you said i mean i don't see a scenario in which this team like sticks together through the entire season to be honest it's one of those things where it's an ongoing problem that should have been addressed so long ago that people don't even think about it anymore like herm edwards should be fired today 
You, right. Carlos I, I, says it all the time. I mean, you still have time to fire Herm Edwards. Or maybe it's David Woods on the podcast champions. Like, there is still time. You can still fire your head coach whenever you want. And your athletic director. And anyone else who's still involved in this. Like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, this isn't even a situation. You know, this isn't like a situation where there's sanctions. And, and you know, there's been this you know, impact on them in the past that they're trying to get over and they have a new head coach who they like to rally around. Yeah. It's like the exact opposite. The cancer (laughs) is still in the building and the program is decaying currently. Like, um, you know, so I think. I'm glad you find this as comical as I do. Yeah. (laughs) Because, I mean, the whole thing with Herm, remember, was that he wanted to take on a more CEO type role. Uh, and in the first place, I have a hard time taking Herm Edwards seriously. But when something like that happens, <laughs> where you're supposed to be the the quote CEO, um, and then you're you're letting stuff like COVID restrictions, like you're you're getting punished for things like having recruits on campus during a dead period. Like, what are you doing, man? Come on. Uh, I don't know how you can possibly like. I don't know what kind of lawyers that they're building up for this, but um, they're gonna need some because, dude. It, they're screwed. Under for me. Yeah. It sounds like an under for you pretty solidly as well. Yep. All right, let's move into the top five. Now, these teams have separated themselves from the rest of the Pac-12 by being the only five teams projected to actually make bowl games based on these win totals, which is kind of nice. Um, so let's start it off with those boys up north, the Washington Huskies. I mentioned we had a real tough time picking the north last year. And this this was probably the most disappointing team in the entire Pac-12. Uh, projected nine wins, same as Oregon. Easily. They end up with four. They go four and eight and completely capitulate. In week one, it didn't even take them long to get started. Uh, we both took the over there, unfortunately. Or maybe, maybe fortunately, actually. Uh, they did not hit it. Seven and a half is their total this <laughs> season. Um, and they got some really interesting games on this schedule. Home games against Kent State, Portland State, and Michigan State in the non-con, which I think are all winnable games, even that Michigan State game. It's going to be really interesting. Um, and then they only have five road games, UCLA, ASU, Cal, Oregon, and Wazoo. Um, John Wilner, who, who, if you haven't realized, we're using his article to keep track of these things. Um, thank you, John. He's the best Pac-12 writer. He takes the under on this. Uh, new head coach in Kalen DeBoer. How are you feeling about the Huskies? Yeah, I do want to note those three Pac-12 or those three non-conference games may all be winnable. They may all be losable too. <laughs> it's a good point. <laughs> um, I mean, losing to no, Portland State really, would just be Chef's kiss, the best thing ever. Um, that would be great. I can finally have some. Portland State pride. I think that though. Um, hey, Ime Udoka, baby. Come on. Yeah, that's true. But I, I mean, going back to last season really is amazing. I, I would be interested to re-listen to what we said about them. Uh, I remember the popular talking point was they're going to be favored going on the road to mm-hmm. Michigan for <laughs> a pickup. Yep. Michigan ends up in the playoffs, and Washington ends up four and eight. Was really uh amazing the level of confidence there was in the team last year and honestly 
I mean, we fell for it in some ways. Like, oh, we I, did. I don't yeah. Think it, yeah. It wasn't all completely ridiculous. The roster, you know, from a numbers perspective and, you know, th- they have a talented roster, had a talented roster, uh, and it's declined a bit since they still have some talent left over. In terms of this season, seven and a half, in talking to, like, the Husky fans I know who are more rational, like, there would be – they would all be excited for seven wins mm-hmm. um, based on what they had to deal with last season. It's interesting. Uh Interesting schedule for them, definitely. The Michigan State game, I think, could be a win. I I, I don't know. I want to look up what that number is. I'll do it after I throw it over to you, what the odds are on that. But uh, I think – I don't think they're going to be favored in it, but I think that Michigan State, because of the success they had last year, I think people are a little higher on them than they should be. And I think that there's a potential at home for Washington to maybe win that, and that could flip some of this stuff, right? You know, mm-hmm. the other games, like, I see them – but but otherwise, I see them fitting right in that middle tier of the Pac-12, right? I, personally, I view them as a notch better than Cal and Stanford probably. I think they should win those games. And maybe, a, you know, notch better than Arizona probably. Certainly a lot better than a Colorado. But I probably view them a touch below Oregon State and Washington State. Um, and mm-hmm. below certainly the top four of the conference. So, you know, all that to say, you get two free wins early on. I think that they could get close to this. I think seven wins is definitely out there, just kind of flipping back and forth through some of these. And you could, I think in order to get to eight, you're telling me that they have to win probably at Oregon, at UCLA, or that Michigan State game. Because otherwise, I think too many of these are going to be kind of one good game, one bad game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm slightly under, but yeah, I'm slightly under. I think seven and five probably is, is the most likely. I mean, in looking at their schedule, usually we don't do this kind of stuff till closer, like in August, closer to the actual season. But mm-hmm. I mean, first four games, you have the three non-cons all at home and then Stanford at home to open the season. Now, I have a hard time not seeing that being going three and one at the very least, right? Um, the game after that, though, is really interesting to me because they go play at uh, UCLA in the Rose Bowl on a Friday, on a short week. Mm-hmm. It's a really tough game, and especially considering UCLA will also more than likely be four and zero. We'll talk about UCLA in a little bit, but their their non con is as soft as it gets, pretty much. So. I think their confidence as a team will really hinge on that game. I mean, after that, the they visit at Arizona State next week, the the weekend after that. So, and they don't have a bye until Halloween weekend, Halloween weekend. And then <laughs> the two Oregon teams after that still. So, I don't know, man. I this is this is as easy as a Pac-12 schedule gets, really. Other than that UCLA game, and and obviously going to Oregon is never easy. But oh, gosh, let, let let me count in my head real quick. One, two, three. I I think I'll take a soft over. I think I'll take a, a, a soft eight wins because I mean, what's honestly what's the most like likely outcome here, perception wise, is that. 
UW fans over, way overreact to eight wins, um, get smeared in their bowl game, but are still like riding high. Because there is still talent on this roster. I think that's what was, you mentioned it a little bit, that was, was what was so shocking about how bad last year's team was. Um, like it wasn't just the quarterback. Every position group was underperforming except like their DBs. Um, so I, I'll take the slight over on seven and a half, but I don't feel good about it. And honestly, that that's the one I would, that's the one I feel the worst about. Um, just from a moral standpoint, yeah. as much as a literal one. Uh, yeah, I think I, I'd add a few other things here. Uh, first off, I would say like, it's important to say, especially in arming our Oregon fans to combat Husky propaganda on Twitter. Like this is a very easy schedule and a seven and a half win total. When you miss USC and Utah and you have two cupcakes to open your non-conference is not, you don't play a, (laughs) not something to brag about beating. Exactly. You know, um, I just, the Michigan State line I looked up. You want to give me a guess on that? Uh, Huskies by four, three. You think Huskies are favored? Are they not? Or or underdogs? They're not. They're they're three point uh, underdogs. Oh wow! But yeah, but I think most I think most casual fans would say that would think Michigan State was going to be favored by a touchdown or more, just based on the fact that like. Michigan State with Kenneth Walker was in the conversation last year. <laughs> yeah, I remember in the when... <laughs> national conversation prominently last year. What <laughs> for for a while? Yeah, <laughs> until they played yeah. an actual team. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I yeah, guess they, I guess they beat but Michigan I... first. Sorry, but continue. Yeah. Um. So. I, I think there's an answer. One, the, I think the thing that hinges me on the under ultimately is like, I just, I really don't trust this team to win nine games, right? And I know that's not the number, but when you when I look at it and I look at the team and I'm like thinking about what the outcomes are, and I can't imagine nine wins, but I can so easily imagine six wins. Like I, I just lean, you know, under because of that. Uh, even though I think seven or eight both are are likely, and maybe the two most likely, I think six is close to eight in likelihood. Though, now I lean under, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, again, seven home games. I gotta think they win at least five of those, at minimum five, probably six. So you're getting six right there. You can beat you can beat two of UCLA, ASU, Cal, Oregon, and Washington State on the road. Hopefully not Oregon. Um, so I, th- I think that's how you get to eight pretty quickly there. But again, yeah, the, the schedule lines up so easily that I have a hard time not seeing them do that. Okay, maybe the most surprising number that we see is Utah at eight and a half. Although I think it's, it is kind of the opposite effect that we have with Washington where they have a pretty tough schedule. Um, obviously that game against Florida in week one is going to be absolutely massive for the Pac-12. Maybe this is a hot take, but that's gonna that game might be more important for Pac-12 perception than the Oregon Georgia game, uh, just because I think a lot of people have their minds made up already about Oregon and Georgia, or at least Georgia. <laughs> which, yeah, if Georgia is the best team in the country, then you can't like 
you know, no matter, nothing you do is going to look, uh, super terrible against them. So with Utah, again, Florida, Southern Utah and San Diego state are, they're out of conference. Those latter two are at home. Florida's in the swamp. They're favored in that game in the swamp, by the way, depending on where you look, they're either pick them or slight favorites. Um, looking at the rest of their schedule, like they have Oregon state, USC, Arizona, and Stanford at home. Those should all be wins. I think with USC, maybe being the one caveat, um, the numbers at eight and a half, like Oregon is their Oregon and UCLA are tough road games, but the rest should be wins. If they're as good as they were last year, I think over pretty comfortably. Yeah, I definitely lean over, or not even lean. I, I feel pretty comfortable about over. Um, yeah, no. I think this team's good and consistent, uh, and they have a good quarterback now. I think that they're going to beat Florida. I, I liked your point about that versus the Oregon-Georgia game. I mean, obviously, if the question is, would it be more impactful for the Pac-12 for Oregon to win the Georgia game or for Utah to win the Florida game, like, yeah, the Oregon win would mean more, mm-hmm. but, you know, nine times out of ten, Georgia's going to come out of there and probably decently comfortably. I mean, we'll see as we get closer to it. But the Utah-Florida game feels like a real unknown, mm-hmm. uh, what we're going to see there. And, like, the national expectations haven't really adjusted for this to be a game that the Pac-12 should win. Yeah, uh, comfortably. And I think that Utah winning by two touchdowns is certainly on the table. I mean, mm-hmm. after what I saw them do to Oregon twice, yeah. um, obviously I think that's on the table. But that could be a big game for the Pac-12 uh, and a good measuring stick versus the SEC for a conference that in the Pac-12 could have a few playoff contenders potentially. Uh yeah, in terms of this Utah schedule and the number at eight and a half, I feel pretty good about it. You know, I have them winning the Florida game, but it's going to be – could go either way. The other hard games are – I just have confidence in them after this, after Cam Rising emerged and just what we saw – the role we saw them on as last year ended, mm-hmm. uh, that they can beat a lot of these teams. Maybe those freak losses will happen still like happened early in last season. Um, but like having Oregon State at home this year makes me worry about that game a lot less. Mm-hmm. Uh, the UCLA game is going to be tough. Yeah, the Washington State game could get funky. Maybe the USC game, but that you have a bye week before the Washington State game. The USC game at home, obviously, everyone has circled, and then the trip to Oregon uh, is really interesting. I want to get into some lines a little later on what Oregon's schedule. Uh, looks like but right now I'll just say Oregon is a three-point favorite against Utah Mm -hmm. uh, according to FanDuel at least that was a surprising number I think of that game as as one that Oregon has a shot in certainly but I'd favor Utah right now um, just based on what we saw last year but you know I'm interested to see right I that was something we talked about on no truck stops and I'm trying to get my head around those results still. I mean, six yeah. months later are so crazy that that happened and that, like, it was so far different from what the odds makers thought the first time. And then they tried to adjust, and the second time is the same thing. 
I wonder, you know, one of the theories that I'm playing with is like, I think part of why that ballooned so much was because Oregon just had no passing attack to go to. And I think Utah dared them to do that and Oregon couldn't. Uh, and as a result, Utah just kind of, you know, it turned from a competitive match to Utah really pushing Oregon around. Uh, and I think maybe, you know, a new quarterback, new scheme, and a lot of young and really talented receivers could add a passing attack that could completely change those matchups for Oregon this next year at the highest level, because there is a lot of talent on the Oregon roster. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyways, that was an interesting number to see in terms of how Vegas saw Utah versus Oregon. Uh, But yeah, overall, I, I, I kind of think, there are five games they could lose on here is my thinking. And I have them favored in probably every one of them. You know, I mean, obviously there's a world where they lose some of these other ones. There's a world where they lose Oregon state, I guess, but like Florida, UCLA, USC at Washington state and at Oregon are the five, I think they could lose. And I would favor them in all of them right now, personally. Uh, So that's where I'm at. And I'd take the over. We don't usually dish out hot takes on this show, but I'm going to give you an early, early, early June 11th, 2022 hot take. Are you ready? I'm ready. Stanford Cardinal go into Rice-Eccles Stadium and beat the Utah Utes on Saturday, November 12th, ending the Pac-12's chances at a playoff bid in November. There you go. That sounds like a vibe spec, right? I can't combat it with logic. No, yeah, no. But, but again, uh, you, you throw logic out the window when you're talking about Stanford. Uh, by the way, Utah yeah. was at eight and a half last year as well. I comfortably took the over and you took the under. So I think that might be my best pick of the year um, last season against you. I, you know, I will stand by the <laughs> under based on the first four games we saw of the season. <laughs> and then the quarterback change happened. It was a different Utah team than I expected, but no, I argue with I, that. yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, ended up being a very good team. Utah are still the torchbearers in the Pac-12 right now. That that has to be stated. I don't care how many transfers Lincoln Riley brings into USC; like they still have to pr- give me something on the field first, right? Uh, and yeah, Utah certainly gave it to. I mean, they we're talking about a team that went eight and one in the Pac-12 last year. And the one was at Oregon State, who didn't lose a home game. So, um, all right, let, let's keep this thing moving. We're almost done. Um, next team is the UCLA Bruins, uh, and at eight and five, this is more of a Washington type eight and five or eight point five. Um, home games: Bowling Green, Alabama State, and South Alabama to start the season, uh, <laughs> which is. Quite nice if you're Bruins. But then, but, but then they roll into Boulder for a tough, very hard matchup, and then a home game against Washington. Um, in all seriousness, that Utah game on on Saturday, October eighth, is going to be massive. That one's in the Rose Bowl. Again, we could be talking about a top twenty-five matchup at that point. Um, I, in fact, we should be. I, I would wager I should and very likely will be, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and really, I mean, their toughest games are that Utah game at Oregon at, coming off of a bye week and then 
like USC, and that's really, that's really their three. I mean, yeah, sure, having to play all those three makes it a tough schedule, and they they have Washington as well. But overall, I mean, this is a pretty favorable setup for the for the Bruins. I think eight and a half though is a tough number. Like Chip coming back to Oregon and winning that game would be hilarious to everyone but us. But I don't <laughs> think it's completely out of the question coming off a bye. Um, I mean, if we recall, they played us close in 2020, if you want to put any stock into that whatsoever. Um, yeah. And last year, of course, obviously. Uh, I don't know. Do, do yeah. you have, Are you leaning either way on this? I think it's weird because, I mean, like you said, it just seems it's funny to have a team have an eight and a half win total in a division with two potentially top 10, top 15 teams. Mm-hmm. They draw another top 15, top 20 team from the other side. On the and road. Most of their fan base is calling for them to fire their head coach. Yeah. <laughs> um, and still, I kind of think that it's an over because so much of the rest of this schedule is so easy. I mean, to the point that it, you know, it it feels to me like outside of those three games, where are the losses? Right, you know, kind of penciling in like that was a that was a pick I had for a, you know, the Stanford fluke game of the year that's mm. happened to someone. That'd it's, be a good one. You know, yeah. what, why don't they have a letdown game after they travel to Oregon, whatever happens there, and, and lose at home to Stanford? Sure, you know. Um, but even that, I, I think that I think there's a good chance for one and two against the three best teams in the conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think the gap's that huge. They have a good quarterback. Chip, you know, can drop an offense still, even if he can't recruit that well. Um yeah, it'll be really interesting, right? I think, I mean, obviously from an Oregon perspective, look at these tops, these six games in a bye week. And, you know, you talked about the rank matchup between Utah and UCLA. Look, Utah is probably favored there, but if UCLA wins that and they're 6-0, go in a bye week and play Oregon, that could be a top 10 UCLA team even. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. You know, assuming Utah has some respect at that point, which I projecting that they will um by week eight and chaos elsewhere and and ucla is still undefeated potentially right Mm -hmm. like that would be a bit that could be a big game for oregon obviously uh anyways i i but yeah i guess what i say is like you know i think i lean over just because I see three hard games, nine games they should win. Even if they drop one of those nine, I think there's a good chance that they could win one of the three. So I lean over, I guess, and that's my justification. But who knows? You know, if Arizona State looks good by then, maybe, like, that game's close. I can't really trust them to say, like, they absolutely won't lose to Washington or Cal or Stanford. or mm-hmm. So who knows? But I guess I lean over. As crazy as that is. I think I'm going to lean under. The first part of your spiel convinced me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just just the first part, though. I'm going to choose to ignore the second part so we can have some, 
we we got to have some disagreements at some point here. We've we've been going the same way on on a lot of these. Um, all right, last two, Oregon and USC, the two nine and a half teams. Oh, by the way, with UCLA, real quick, last year, uh, they were projected their win total was at seven, even. Uh, you took the over and got it right. I took the under and got it wrong. So there's that. Um, so USC and Oregon, both at nine and a half. Don't you play. Have, each. I, I think Oregon's at eight and a half. Oh, are they? Did I write that wrong? You're right. Yeah, that was a typo on my part. So or so that changes things actually, because that means Oregon's in a cluster with Utah and UCLA as being eight and a half teams. Um, right. Real quick, out of those three, who are you feeling the most confident about? I think I know the answer already. Uh, Utah. Yeah, thought so. Yeah. Um. Oregon, we know their schedule. If you're listening to this podcast, you you know what's good with the Ducks already. Um, do we want to just straight up, do we need to give reasons for or against our picks, or you just want to give picks? <laughs> uh, I think that we'll, you know, I'm sure we'll go a game-by-game, game, fully dedicated Oregon schedule episode later. So yeah. I think we can keep the reasoning to a sentence or two. Um, but... I can start. Yeah, I'm going over. Uh, mainly, why it hin- what it hinges on for me is from after you leave that. You know, the Georgia game's hard. I think BYU and Washington State. BYU then at Washington State is a little tough stretch. I just think Oregon is enough better than the rest of the conference, including UCLA. That from that Stanford game week five through Washington week eleven. Mm-hmm. I feel pretty good about Oregon winning those games. I feel pretty good about Oregon winning in Corvallis. Uh, and we'll see what happens with the big ones, right? We can save to break those games down later, but I definitely think there's a chance against Utah. Uh, and I still want to dig in more to Georgia and see if I can convince myself of something there. I'm not really <laughs> sure yet whether I'll be able to, but uh, what are you thinking? I agree with that exact same reasoning. If we can go five and one before that uh, October fifteenth, that's what week one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. If that we can get to that week seven buy at five and one, um, I I feel really confident about nine or even ten wins. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, in the back half of the schedule, the only team I'm scared of is Utah. Uh, that UCLA. I mean, we're we've talked about that already a little bit. Oregon will be coming off a bye too. Yeah, I'll take the over um, comfortably. Qu- quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quickly. And part of what I did on no truck stops, by the way, was there are two main things. We were talking about the staff uh, and then we were also, you know, I was asked what I think about the season. I said nine wins is most likely, but I think 10 is more likely than eight. So we talked about that. So you can listen to some more of my thoughts and other non-Oregon fans' thoughts on that. Uh, I did want to run through a few of these lines that are released, um, point spreads that have been released on some of these Oregon games just to give people a picture of what Vegas is seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll note, you know, you see, we're going to talk about some more props in a second after we finish off with USC, but I think sometimes tough to sort through like what from Vegas is – actually real and what is kind of bullshit or looking for clicks or bets and like these numbers don't necessarily mean what you think they do Mm -hmm. but you know spreads yeah it's about who's going to bet which way and and those things but like they can pay for that you know 
yeah. in a much more real way than they can pay for dangling whatever you know usc national championship odds or whatever it is you know mm -hmm. those things that are almost definitely aren't going to cash are played with a little more to drive up interest and clicks and stuff but like a real number when you can put a line put a bet on this way or that is usually like close-ish to what they're actually thinking on the game close-ish to the power rating mm -hmm. not perfect but um so the georgia game Oregon 17 point underdogs right now. The BYU game, Oregon is six and a half point favorites. It's an interesting line. I didn't know what that would be. Yeah. Um, that's Stanford, a little, that's a little close for comfort. Definitely, definitely close for comfort. But BYU's a good team. Like that yeah. win could mean a lot, especially if BYU has a year where they win a lot of games against teams that aren't that good, but sneak into the top 20 because they only have one loss in late november you yeah know? yeah um and stanford 13 point favorites that's a pretty healthy line you know like if if oregon can get a lot of those games first the stanford's and cows up past you know close to two touchdowns those are pretty comfortable lines usually I, I, um i feel like and Mm -hmm. uh, the Washington game, nine-point favorites for Oregon, uh, which is interesting. Obviously, the Utah game, three-point favorites, like I mentioned. And the Oregon State game, seven-point favorites. Uh, these are still a long way out, so we'll see how they adjust throughout the season, obviously. But kind of interesting to see how Vegas views Oregon versus, versus those teams right now. And just seeing, like, Oregon's favored in a lot of these games. You know, it will be, other than the Georgia game, they're going to be favored in every game uh i think comfortably i don't think any other games that i left that that weren't listed by FanDuel are going to be uh particularly close spreads um mm -hmm. right now so and, i mean it's worth mentioning mind you this eight and a half over number is juiced a little bit meaning it's a little more likely to to like you said to go uh over than under um Real quick on BYU, while you were talking, I looked up their schedule just out of curiosity. They have a really interesting start to the season. They play at USF, which you would expect to be a win, in week one. Then they host Baylor in week two before coming to Autzen in week three. Uh, wow. This is a team that doesn't have their bye week until November 12th, which is a really late one. They also play Utah State and Arkansas at home later, and they play Notre Dame in Las Vegas during the middle of the season. Um, so really weird schedule. It gets noticeably easier as the season declines. Um, that Arkansas game is in week one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then after that, their hardest game is at like Liberty or Boise State. So really interesting schedule for BYU. That's a good team to keep an eye on. Obviously, they're an opponent, but just in general, like they've been a you know clearly they <laughs> they're an interesting measuring stick for success against Pac-12 teams. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, I would take Oregon on at six and a half right now. That seems like a really good line, uh, for the ducks, but, or, or a really good line for BYU, but, um, that is certainly one to keep an eye on. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I feel a tiny bit queasy about the Cougars coming in, um, that early yeah, in the I, season. I, I would say those are, those are the two games, you know, everyone knows about Georgia and Utah, right? But mm -hmm. I think, honestly, the 
BYU, the Cougars back to back, BYU coming in and then going to Washington State make me the most queasy. Even more than that UCLA game. I mean, I know yeah. we talked about UCLA is going to be good, but the odds and home winning streak dating back to the 2018 conference opener and all of that. And just what mm-hmm. I saw last year, I felt like that game got close for reasons, but like Oregon pushed them around uh, for large portions. There's a big disparity in terms of guards per uh, uh, play on the ground and stuff. So I don't know. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll dive into it more, I'm sure, but um, that's where I'm at right now. All right, and now the big one, uh, the conference favorite at most places. Some places actually have Utah, some places have Oregon, but uh, USC, by and large, is is the, the regular betting favorite to win the Pac-12. Uh, you can find odds of like plus 200 or uh, worse for them in some places. Uh how are you feeling about nine and a half? This, this is a tough projection for me. Um, Wilner has them going under, which is a little bit surprising to me. Uh, but they have seven home games, Rice, Fresno, Notre Dame, ASU, Wazoo, Cal, and Colorado. I have a hard time seeing them losing any of those games, maybe struggle with Notre Dame. I don't know if you've seen a line for that yet. Uh, but then their road games are really tough. They they go, well, not Stanford, but Oregon State, Utah, and UCLA all on the road in addition to Stanford and Arizona. How are you feeling about uh, Lincoln Riley and the Trojans? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm pulling up some of these numbers right now, actually. Um, yeah. yeah I, I think that... I don't know. I'm leaning under just because, like, they, they went four and eight last year, you know? I mean, I know the transfers. Caleb Williams obviously is a huge team-changing thing, right? But but we're, we are asking to make up six wins here. Um, and yeah. there are still some question marks on this roster, but I don't know. It's tough. So let me read you off some of these numbers that I found uh, every – you know, FanDuel just has a few of these games picked out mm-hmm. to give you a picture of how they're viewing them. Stanford, uh, USC's an 11.5 point favorite against. Uh, Utah, they're a two point underdog against. Colorado, I don't know why they have this one. They're a 21 point favorite against. <laughs> uh, UCLA, they're sick. I'd take that number today. <laughs> That's, yeah, that actually is a good point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's, it's one of the core bets I've seen in a while. Yeah. Um, USC versus UCLA. Uh, USC is a six-point favorite, uh, and then the Notre Dame game. USC is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Mm. That uh, definitely influences margins. Like, a lot of slim margins for sure. Um, but I mean, Vegas would seem to say the Utah and Notre Dame games are a split. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there's a loss between, you know, UCLA, Washington State, and Oregon State, too. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and there's another loss somewhere in there. I mean, I personally, I think, I think that nine and three is more, is, I just think it's gonna, 
for whatever reason, I feel like there's going to be three losses pop up somewhere on this schedule. I just hmm. think it's hard to win that many games, right? I mean, look yeah. at like even 2019 Oregon uh, and, you know, it was a good, a strong run and Oregon only ended up losing one conference game. But like, remember the Wazoo game, remember what happened in the Cal game that year. Remember like the Oregon State game that year was even a little hairy and mm-hmm. those teams were some of those teams were worse than they are now you know yeah uh washington state and oregon state have improved you know maybe not on washington state but all i'm saying is like it is hard to just run through a pac-12 schedule uh and i kind of you know i kind of lean towards notre dame winning that game and i feel like utah will win that game um not super, super confident about it. USC could win, but I favor Utah. Uh, and I could easily see, like, UCLA, the at-Oregon State game is one of those that I'm on, like, as hmm. early in the, you know, early in the season, new coach, new everything. Again, like I said about with when it was Oregon State's, when we were covering Oregon State schedule, like, it's a team who knows their identity at home, could be a statement for Oregon State. Mm-hmm. That feel, you know, Washington State, I feel like could do some things. Uh, and UCLA could do some things, I think. So I don't know. I, I guess I'm at nine, but I certainly see why when you just do play the games on paper, 10 feels likely. I definitely could see that, you know. So you're slight under. I'm going to go slight over. I'm slight under. I'm going to be on the yeah. other side of it. Again, I just like. Caleb Williams is so damn good, man. He comes in and he's instantly the best quarterback in the conference by a mile, um, which I don't know if you want yeah. to transition into talking about that. But, I mean, I saw a list that you were referencing earlier. It was put out by the Cal uh, SI site. Um, and they have DTRs like number two, you know, Cam Ward and Cam Rising is like three and four. I switched those around, but. That's on me. Like Jaden Delora. I think there's a really, really solid second tier of quarterbacks. I mean, even Bo Nix, if you want to throw him in there, maybe that might be a little ambitious. But like the two through six of quarterbacks in this conference, rounding out with McKee, is like very strong. Like that's a very strong second tier. I'm really obviously interested to see how Caleb Williams plays and how USC especially manages things on the defensive side of the ball. Because, I mean, we know we're Oregon fans, right? We know that you don't have to have a great defense if your offense is really, really that good. Um, so I and I, I have a hard time thinking it won't be a supernova type offense for USC. Uh, like we're just kind of forgetting that they casually picked up Travis Dye in the transfer portal, who was the leading, who led the, sorry, led the conference in yards from scrimmage last season uh, by. 200 plus like a comfortable margin um so yeah dude i i i'm going over um it's what the odds tell me to do ever so slightly and it's just what my intuition tells me as much as i want usc to not succeed i i really don't see a world where this fails uh unfortunately um yeah i don't really think anyone around the country does either (laughs) so yeah. Yeah, and I I understand why people feel that way. Um and I'm not even, you know, this isn't like a strong case to say it absolutely will fail. But 
my biggest counter argument to people is just pull up the 2021 Oklahoma football schedule right now and take yourself back through like what Lincoln Riley did last year with an Oklahoma program he built up that had talent and had a significant advantage over the Big 12 conference as well. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he played Tulane almost <laughs> lost that game yeah. to open the season. You know, <laughs> I mean, Rattler was starting some of these games to start out, you know, but Rattler isn't a bat. I mean, he has his issues, whatever. <laughs> He's not a horrible quarterback, though. You know, Caleb Williams came in and did some things too, but. Five-point game versus Tulane. Shout out my alma mater now. You know, wow. almost got that win, literally driving down the field. Like, I, th- I I remember it because I was like, holy shit, this is the first time I've been that invested <laughs> in Tulane football game. Um, and they might do something actually impactful that helps Oregon, who I actually care about. Um, by the way, but a Tulane team that was displaced by a hurricane. Right. Seems, seems yeah, significant that, to note that. It's very significant because, as I remind people all the time, the Vegas uh, standard for moving games uh, based on home field advantage is three points. And that game was initially slotted to be played in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if you take the three points away from Oklahoma at home, add (laughs) three more points for moving it from neutral site to Tulane out. That's six points. <laughs> and we remember the margin of victory was five. Five points. <laughs> so technically, a quick math there. And you get what I'm saying. Tulane wins by one in the multiverse. Um, I see what you're saying, though, with but, the rest of the schedule. Like, that was the whole Oklahoma yeah. narrative, was that, sure, they, they smacked mm-hmm. Western Carolina. I would hope you do. They almost lost to Nebraska. They almost lost to West Virginia. They almost lost to Kansas State. Like, these were all very close games that people just kind of forgot about because of that insane yeah. and for good reason. Like that was the one of the that Texas game was one of the best college football games I've ever seen. Um, but man, yeah, that was that was a plagued team last year. Uh, exactly. Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying. And like, look at you know, I mean, yes, Lincoln Riley is a is a very good coach. But, like, look at the Baylor game. I mean, they put up 14 points. Yeah, that's like, bad. And, okay, who – well, they were stopped by this young defensive mastermind of college football in Dave Aranda. Oh, oh, wait, who just coached <laughs> the best defense in the sport in, – in maybe the history of college football last year? The coach who's now at Oregon. And he has – a bigger talent than oh, yeah. the than comparison between yeah. what Baylor was doing versus Oklahoma and what Oregon's defense is against USC's. Oregon has a way is is has a way better matchup in there than Baylor did against Oak. I mean, Oklahoma Lincoln came off Riley, a bye week into that game too. And I know people are like, "Oh, it's USC. All the talent USC has." And like, yes, the the. <laughs> Geographic region of LA produces a ton of talent, but one, it's not all on the roster, and two, look at Oklahoma. Yeah, like <laughs> Oklahoma recruits very well. They had a very, very talented team last year. Um, 
So, anyways, I would just say like <laughs> he's not Nick. He's not Nick Saban. He's not been. He's not even what Chip Kelly was on offense. I don't view him as. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think USC's roster right now is like a national title plug and play roster. There is talent there, but like the offensive line, the defense, all this stuff. Teams put up low scoring point totals. Like juggernaut offenses, not every good offense is what 2019 LSU was. You know, mm-hmm. it's like even the think of like some of those Oregon teams back in the day. Like, yeah, they were, you know, really amazing on offense. And you can look at their schedules and they did more impressive stuff than what Oklahoma did last year, obviously. But still, like, the 2010 Cal game, the 2012 Stanford game is really good defense. But like, you know, offensive lull, games where there are offensive lulls happen. I don't think that every team who plays USC next year is going to have to put up over 50 to win against them. And sometimes I feel like that's how it's treated. I would just, I mean, the one thing I will say but, to defend Lincoln Riley here is that like, because a lot of times this stuff genuinely does get lost in the shuffle of how we talk about people. The man went 12-2 and two in his first three years as head coach at Oklahoma. And in 20, and yeah. that was 2017, 18, and 19. Yes, he lost three playoff games in that span as well. Um, and then he went 9-2 and two and beat the shit out of Florida in the Cotton Bowl the next season uh, in, in the COVID year. And then, I mean, even last year it was still a 10-win team that won the Alamo Bowl. So, like, I I get why the hype is there for Lincoln Riley. I really do. Um, That's true. Uh, like, he he is one of the best head coaches in college. He has one of the most impressive four, what was that, four years, five-year resumes in college football. Um, I, I don't think anybody's arguing with that. You do bring up very yeah, valid nor, points. Yeah, nor there. am I. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, think, I think it's important to note that, like, uh, you know, we're we're keeping things in perspective here. I'm leaning over on nine and a half. You're leaning under on nine and a half for USC. Like, this is right. why we play the games. This is why we're fans of the sport so we can see what actually happens. Um, also, you got real like like fine bomb talk radio we there for a second. I love it. I love <laughs> I love the intensity. Uh, that was great. We do, maybe we should try to get angry more often on this pod. <laughs> it's, it's <pretty> fun. <laughs> All right, man. Um, so there you have it, our overs and unders. Maybe we'll post this on Twitter or something, uh, my, my little quick spreadsheet notes of it. Um, real quick, do you feel more or less, like, do you feel, what do you feel most confident and least confident in out of your picks, do you think? Oh, my God. Um, I think I feel most confident in... Uh, Utah and Arizona, probably. Um, Colorado. Utah, Arizona, and Colorado. I feel the most confident. Um, and least confident, uh, I think the USC picks really hard. I think the UCLA picks really hard. Um, and those are probably the two that stand out for me. Yeah, same. You? Colorado is the easy one. USC is the hard one. Uh, that Washington number is really weird. I can't stop thinking about that. Since, yeah. Since you gave your reasoning for it, I really like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, let, let's see how it plays out. We're only what, like eighty something days away now from from the start of the season. 
I know it's getting close. Just looking at some of these numbers, uh, it was kind of the first time I'd looked at some of the spreads for some of these actual games. You know, it was pretty fun to feel like football is is around the corner almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, man. Anything else before you want to sign off? Uh, I think we can. I don't know. How do you feel? Do you want to go through a few of these last little odds here, or you want to save that for for a later, uh, rapidly approaching the season episode? <laughs> Let's save it because this room is getting pretty sweaty, and uh, yeah, <laughs> we no, got lots no of time to kill in this off season. So I, I think yeah, more true. content for later is always a good thing. Um, yeah, let's save it for, for people, not just the people who have stuck through an hour and a half. Uh, so next time we'll cover, or in a future time, we'll cover some playoff, national title, conference title type of odds, uh, some other bonus 10-win season odds were interesting. We'll, we'll cover those later. But yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Leave five stars if you want or whatever. Shoot us any questions at DucksPod on Twitter. Anything else you got? Uh Nah, man. Hope you have a nice time uh, down in the south still. I will also be having a nice time in the south here. And go Ducks. Go Ducks.